Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Thursday, December the 21st. Christmas is literally four days away. So I hope you are ready and you have all your shopping done, all your food ready. And <laughs> I'm sure my friend George Rodriguez down in San Antonio, I bet you're ready, right, George? Oh, gosh. Ready. Yes, perfectly. Now, down in San Antonio, they, they have a, a very unique way of celebrating Christmas because uh, they eat a lot of tamales, don't they? Oh, gosh, yes. Yes, that is. Uh, in fact, um, the news was saying that the number one industry, uh, local industry at this time of year is tamales. Now, there must be a lot of tamales. But there must be a lot of independent tamale makers, too, right? I mean, just very much so. A lot of people who have like a little side business. All of them competing. Yeah. And, you know, I I know here, for example, uh, there are ladies who who will make tamales for Christmas and, you know, will sell them, uh, you know, so much a dozen or whatever. Well, one of the things things that's that's happened that I think that is very, very good is that um, the week right after right after Thanksgiving, um, there is a huge tamale um, festival, and literally uh, anybody and everybody who wants to uh, will uh, sell uh, some tamales, and then there will there will be a contest as to who's got the best ones. And I think that that gives these independent, these small ones, uh, a chance to show their wear and then to prepare if they are noted as being so good then people will, you know, flock to them and they'll, you know, by definition, uh, make a lot of, a lot of tamales right. and make a lot of money. So, But I think tamales is the Mexican-American contribution to Christmas, isn't it? Yes. I mean, that's how I understand it. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But I mean, the Mexican-American... When I lived in Mexico, it wasn't, yeah. that, it wasn't well, that big of a deal. That's the point I was going to make, that down in Mexico, because, you know, I'm very familiar with that, down in Mexico, you know, my wife is from Mexico City, and down in, in, in Mexico, that's not a big deal at Christmas time. But here in South Texas, in let's say the Mexican American community here in the Southwest, it is a big deal. I don't know if it's also true in North Mexico. That part I don't know. Um, <clears throat> not as much. I mean, it, it is it is more popular than Central Mexico, but not not like in in Texas. I mean, South right. Texas. You know, yeah, I, it's, <laughs> it, it's interesting because down in 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 Mexico City, you're right. It's not that it's not like here. It's not like here, where tamales are a main dish uh, at uh, at Christmas. So a very interesting tradition, and that was brought over by the Mexicans or by the Spanish. What, what, no, that was, one. This one. This tamale. Uh, um, this tamale tradition has been something that apparently has grown since the 1900s in, in South Texas. Right. It has something that is truly Mexican and American. Right. And okay. uh, I mean, you will see just as many Anglos, just as many whites in the lines at these uh, tamale factories as you do and blacks as you do Hispanics. It's amazing. Well, I think people know people have good idea of flavor. Oh, and gosh. tamales are, are just it. absolutely delicious. That's it. Although I will tell you a little secret, a little secret. Every Latin American group 
seems to have their own little tamales because my mother used to make tamales and she always insisted that uh, Cuban tamales, which are very heavily influenced uh, from Spain, that Cuban tamales were very different. They weren't they really, they were really not different, but they were a little different from the, the Mexican tamales. And, uh, but again, in the Cuban tradition, you don't have tamales at Christmas time or Thanksgiving. Tamales is just something you have at any time of the year. It's not yeah. focused on, on like it is in South Texas. Yeah, uh, no, this at, is at Christmas, time. Christmas tradition. This yes. is when all just explodes. I mean, at any given time, any given part of the year, you can you can get a tamale right. at a at, at a restaurant or uh, even at the supermarket. But at this time of year, I mean, it, it, it's an explosion. Everybody's buying them. Uh, everybody's asking you which are the best, and everybody's right. uh, you know jockeying yeah. for getting. So them. it is a a very South Texas tradition, and oh, maybe God. it's also true in maybe New Mexico too. I don't know. Uh, I, I haven't heard to that extent yeah. to the extent that we yeah. are. I mean, I I understand that it's spread. Uh, because of its popularity in South Texas, it had spread into Southern California, sure, uh, and in Arizona. But I mean, it's it's king here. This is right. No, I, I I know, and uh, I, we see a little bit of it here in Dallas as well. Well, anyway, so I hope you have, uh, I hope you eat a lot of tamales, and if you <laughs> if you if it's you save a couple, carbs. yeah, it's high on carbs, so I got to be careful. Yes, but save me a couple for the next yeah, time I no. see you. Save me a couple <laughs> so that I. So that I can say that I had a couple of Christmas tamales from South Texas. I want to be able to say that. Uh, so save me a couple uh, the next <laughs> time you that. come here, the next time you come. Well, George, we got a couple of things we want to get into today, sort of as, as we wrap up 2023. But, you know, there was a time when there wasn't usually a lot of news at this time of the year because everybody was on vacation and it seemed like everybody just shut down. But uh, I guess that was then. This is now. But just when we thought, George, that things couldn't get any crazier, just when we thought that these people were not any more ridiculous, here comes a Supreme Court opinion from Colorado. 4-3 opinion, by the way. It was not a unanimous. 4-3. And the three people who dissented were very critical of the four. Uh, but anyway, they want to put, uh, they want to take uh, Donald Trump off the ballot. And they're doing it on the basis of an you know this, but just for the audience, if they're not familiar, the main accusation is that uh, Donald Trump participated in an insurrection. Now, of course, the problem with that is he has never been convicted of that or for that matter, even accused in a court of law, because Jack Smith, who's doing the January 6th investigation, doesn't even mention insurrection in the case that he is running against uh, President Trump. So uh, crazy, crazy. But it really shows you, George. Uh, to me, it's Trump derangement syndrome. That, that's exactly what, it is. what it is. That is exactly what it is. They are the, the, the left, the liberals, the Democrats, whatever you want to call them, the opponents to, uh, uh, to Trump are so whacked out that they are willing to do anything uh, to uh, pretend that it is legal uh, what they are doing to keep him from getting reelected. Uh, they assume, of course, that he's going to be reelected. And so therefore, they are going to do anything and everything uh, short of violence. And I'm not sure if, if it'll reach that point, if it right. won't reach that point. But this ruling by the Colorado State Court 
ultimately prevents voters, prevents citizens from determining who they want as their candidate, right. which is outrageous. That's I mean, right. the thing that immediately I recalled, uh, uh, Silvio, was uh, in 1989 when Marion Barry, the mayor of, of uh, the former mayor of uh, Washington, D.C., had been released uh, for a year from prison. He was the he he had been arrested in in 1983. He had been arrested for cocaine trafficking and use as the mayor. He was the mayor. He served four years. When he when he got out of prison, he was reelected again, mayor of D.C. Now, um, you know the videotapes of of Marion Barry snorting cocaine apparently did not phase people. Right. Apparently did not. And here we've got President Trump, who has not been convicted of anything, who has been accused of everything but the kitchen sink. And these folks want to keep him off of the ballot based on those accusations. Right. Now, you would think that, you know, you would think that justices, people at the upper at the upper level of justice, uh, this is a state Supreme Court, after all. You would think that they would under, they would understand what an insurrection is, that an insurrection is something you are accused of, and you have to be found guilty of before you. You, you would think that. I mean, you, the, think it seems that. you would that think. The, that. Yeah, that the if there's one person in the world who knows about what an insurrection is or what due process is, it would be a, a judge a in judge. the Supreme Court. You yeah. would think. I mean. But yet, uh, it turns out that these people apparently don't know that. Now, the backlash against this court has been pretty harsh because even Democrats are saying, hey, don't go there. That's crazy. Uh, well, I think and, of- and, and the spin is already starting. That's the other thing, Silvio, is that the spin is already starting. MSNBC and um, CNN are full of talking heads where, who are saying, yes, but it'll probably be overturned and and when it's overturned, this is going to be the narrative. They already know. I think this was also not just an attempt to keep Trump out, off the um, off the ballot, but it also was an attempt to smear the Supreme Court because they are all already preparing this smear campaign against the Supreme Court right. for overturning the Colorado um, uh, verdict or, right. or uh, decision. Now, the fact of the matter is that the Colorado decision is uh, it's it, it's ridiculous to to begin with, mm-hmm. but that doesn't seem to matter. The narrative is what's important to these folks. What no, but that's a matter. but that's a good point that you're making because you get the feeling that they knew that this was going to be overturned, but they needed something. Yes, so they go out and they yes. and they write this opinion knowing it's going to be overturned, and then of course you're exactly right. Now they will use that as another way of saying that the Supreme Court is illegitimate. The Supreme Court and it's is this or that. because appointments were made by Trump. Right, that's right. They'll say those three people that Trump put in there are the ones. No, I think that's a very good point. That I think that's part of the strategy here. The strategy is to figure out one way or another of de delegitimize the 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 Trump campaign. But here's here's the thing, though, that uh, George that that I think. That, that were that overrules all of that. I mean, overrules that narrative. Number one, I think that the Democrats have become like the boy who cried wolf. 
that, you know, after a while, you know, how many more, yeah, it's like, how many more things are you going to say? And I just think a lot of people tune them out. I really do. Well, they say those that, you know, they, they accused Trump, uh, which, you know, it's, uh, you know, the, the, the due process is clearly not there, but at the same time, they defend somebody like Hunter Biden, Mm. which makes that crying the wolf even more ridiculous. Right. So, that's the first one. I think they, their accusations have become so ridiculous that a lot of people just tune them out. The Another other thing that's happening is that the Trump presidency looks better and better all the time oh my God. in comparison. Bidenomics. Bidenomics. Right. So I, I, I just think that people out there, you know, people who are not very political, people who are just trying to live and, you know, live their lives every day, uh, all these criticisms of Trump just seem to, I think, go in one ear and out the, and out the other. So it, it it will be overturned, and uh, and then we'll see what happens uh, after that. But I think if they overturn Colorado, that's going to be pretty much bring all of these other states to a stop. I, I don't think there will be another state that will try to do it. But then you never know these people. But here's the here's the interesting part that I read, and I don't have any polling data to prove this. I just read it. Somebody was saying that if you take Trump out of the Colorado ballot, it becomes a contest between Kennedy and Biden. And that Kennedy could actually defeat Biden in Colorado. Now, it would happen because he has a core 15, let's say, to 20 percent support among Democrats. But then the people who were going to vote for Trump would vote for Kennedy. So you could have a situation where Kennedy could actually win. I know. Yeah, uh, and that's really be careful Again, what you it wish for. Shows how short-sighted their their plan is. It shows how emotional their plan is. Right, uh, and, and I that, think that oh, could yeah, be they even have a plan. But that could also be true, I think, in other states. Yeah, because Kennedy, I I wrote a post about this the other day. Kennedy's like at fifteen percent. Yes, he's like he, uh, he actually made the comment today that, that um, keeping Trump off of the. Um, off of the ballot in California was uh, ridiculous. No he made the comments. I mean, you know. And, and yes, it is ridiculous. So anyway, so just when we thought they couldn't be crazier, they turned out to disappoint us, George. They always disappoint us. When we think it's over, there's always one more act coming from that, uh, from that group. <laughs> it is. It I is. mean, it's amazing. It's a opera. It is. Yes. They're like the Bee Gees. Every time you think they've gone out of style, they come out with a brand they new come song. Back with something, another hit. <laughs> yeah, another hit. That's right. Anyway, another big story, of course, is the Texas border law that actually goes into effect in March. But I find the reaction to it already rather hysterical. You got people over here saying that this is going to lead to discrimination. And I'm trying to figure out how they know that. Uh, well, and again, they, I, the same way that they know that Trump is guilty. So the the Texas border law is going to lead to discrimination, but how? How is? I mean, it's not like they're going to be you're going to have policemen or National Guard people driving around Dallas or Houston or San Antonio stopping people. I mean, this is focused exclusively on the border. That's what they do. Imagine they imagine that uh, you know this issue of profiling is going to happen. That uh, people are just going to be stopped randomly and asked uh, if they are uh, illegal aliens. The fact of the matter is, uh, again, taking San Antonio as an example, where um, people 
uh, used to be asked uh, if they were criminal suspects, if they were suspects in a robbery, if they were suspects in a car theft, if they were suspects in a car wreck, drunk driving, uh, they would be asked if it was quite obvious, you know, they don't speak English, they don't have a driver's license, they would be asked uh, if they uh, were uh, undocumented. That's the way it used to be. Now they cannot be, they're not, they cannot ask anyone, even an Anglo, even a, an Asian, even a Black, their uh, 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 immigration status because uh, we are a sanctuary community. I mean, for lack of better, uh, they claim that, that, we're, that we're not, but that's the fact. That has been going on for almost eight years now. And um, the fact of the matter is that this law is not going to change anything. It's not mm -hmm. going to change anything. Um, law enforcement has learned uh, how to ferret out uh, without asking directly if a person is uh, undocumented. Right. And uh, it doesn't have to, it, that you don't have to uh, uh, walk around asking folks randomly. That's not the way it's going to work. However, um, again, the narrative is, is one of fear, one of, uh, of uh, anxiety. And, um, you know, they, um, they are stirring people up and saying that's, this is what's going to happen. And the only people that are, that are asking uh, whether or not uh, they are uh, undocumented or not are these folks who are trying to rally the undocumented people. Right. Now, the other thing, too, is that if you're trying to come in through a bridge or through a legal entry point, you, you have to identify yourself as you're coming in. So yeah. the, the people that you're really concerned about are the ones who are sort of walking in, uh, the ones that are in the open areas. The that are sneaking in. Or sneaking are, in. You know, in talking to sheriffs down there, yeah. those are the people that uh, they are going to, people that are walking across the bridge and claiming asylum, you know, they're not going to be asked anything. You know, right. anybody that walks across, and this is the whole idea, is to funnel people into those ports of entries. People who are sneaking in, people who are walking across the river in, in, in remote places to uh, avoid detection. Those are the ones that we have to worry about because we have to ask ourselves, why are they avoid, want to avoid detection? Right, exactly. And those are the people that are going to be targeted. The ones that, that are just like walking in or yes. sneaking in or, that's where, or whatever. That's where the, the, the net of prevention is going to be. Now, the other thing, too, it seems to me the objective the unwritten objective of this new legislation is to to sort of send the message: don't come to Texas. Exactly, uh, discouraging people coming in. Right, so it's kind of discouraging people from coming to Texas. Now that's bad news for New Mexico and Arizona because apparently we're they're the, we are they're going over there. Yeah, we're going to try to funnel them in those directions. Now Arizona has never never seen the problems we have, and they have a very welcoming Democrat mayor governor. So uh, I, I've never understood that other than the fact that New Mexico is just not as uh, economically developed as Texas is. Texas well, and that's the thing, too. Yeah. The Texas attraction is the Texas economy, that's exactly because I right. think these people know they're more likely to get a job. If they can get to San Antonio, they got a job or they can work because San Antonio being a vibrant community, uh, they can work there. But. The, the law is going to be challenged, which I'm glad it is. Actually, I'm very happy that it is going to be challenged because I want to go to the Supreme Court. Yes. 
Yes. I want to go to the Supreme Court. In I want fact, to... the ultimate part of the, the second part of this of this law is that it was enacted because the federal government is not doing its job. So if it goes to the Supreme Court, the argument is going to be that the Biden administration is not doing its job. And I guarantee that that part of the argument is not going to be something that the, that the Biden administration is going to want to hear. And that's the thing, that the court could actually come back. And that's why I say to these people, be careful what you wish for. Exactly. Because the court could actually come back and say, you know what? Technically, uh, it is a federal government function. But if the federal government is not doing anything about it, then Texas has to act. Look what happened with those aluminum uh, things that they had on the border that the Biden administration was cutting. The court said, no, you can't no, destroy yeah, that. Exactly. So, you know, and, and I, what's interesting, though, Silvio, in that is that uh, the people that turned around and started cutting the um, the, the wire were the nonprofit organizations who mo most of them were then immediately uh, arrested. But, um, you know, that's it, it shows how much disrespect these people have for law and order and for the border. Right. It really, truly does. But I think it's interesting to me that Texas won that, at least for the time being, is winning that case. Texas is has also, I think a lot of the other side thought that, you know, the barriers in the ocean or in the, on, on the river right. would be quickly rejected. And they have not been quickly rejected. That's still in the courts. And I wouldn't be surprised if Texas wins. And I actually wouldn't be surprised if Texas wins in the Supreme Court, where the federal government says, yes, you're right. This is a federal function. But if there is no federal government, then Texas has a right to to defend this property anyone, and so on. Anyone that goes to the border right now, anyone that goes to the border today recognizes the depth uh, uh, of this problem that we've got. Anyone that will go there and to say that Texas is not trying to protect itself and its citizens, it's ridiculous. Right. You, you can't logically look at this situation right now and say that it's not uh, that it's not a problem for for Texas and its and its citizens. Absolutely, no, absolutely. It's a cost problem too, as they're finding out in New York, and as, as they're finding, finding out here in San Antonio. Right, and that's right, that's right. So, it, I wouldn't be surprised if Texas wins, or if not wins, at least gets what it wants to either get the federal government to get more involved, or to allow itself to protect itself. By the way, speaking of the Texas border law. Uh, the president of Mexico, Lopez Obrador, uh, in a little press conference, says that, yeah, he says here that Mexico may join the lawsuit against uh, the new Texas border law. So uh, we'll see how that works out. But he said it's outrageous that he does, he cares more about our border being open than his border that's open. Exactly. Now. Why doesn't he stop it on his side? I mean, that's exactly right. But I I thought it was fascinating because. He, he has this is he's pretty good at speaking. I got to give him credit for that. <laughs> he he is a sneaky kind of, you know, he's he's slick. I'll put it that way. It's sort of like slick. I'm not sure how to say slick in Spanish. Maybe grasoso. I don't know if that's the right <laughs> word, but he's slick. And he says that the reason that Governor uh, Abbott is doing this is because he wants to be vice president. <laughs> so I just thought that was kind of funny. That uh, I mean, look, I wouldn't mind hey, Governor Abbott as vice president. Draws as to reasons why, other than the border is open. That's right. <laughs> and yes, of course, the question nobody ever. And you're right. The question nobody will ask 
Lopez Obrador or President Lopez Obrador is, Mr. President, why are you letting all these people go through your country? You know, you're, you're talking about these videos here the last couple of days. I mean, there's people there from just about every country on Earth. Arizona. Uh, I spoke to uh, a rancher uh, from Arizona who is going to be on my on my radio show, uh, as well as one of the sheriffs from Arizona from down there uh, who is responsible for one of the border counties. And all of them, I mean, you know, where they used to worry 40, 50 years ago about uh, Mexican workers coming across illegally. Now they're worried about Ethiopians, Afghan, Afghanis. Right. They're worried about uh, Somalis. They're worried about the entire world is right. coming in. Uh, right. And, uh, and, you know, doesn't that matter to Lopez Obrador? I mean, uh, to well, me. Well, that's the, you know, George, that's the question that I ask every Mexican that I know. And they're confused too, by the way, because a lot of Mexicans are very confused as to why their country has now become an avenue yeah. for all of these nationalities. A big avenue. A big avenue. Big because. Avenue. At one time, you mentioned uh, the people from Mexico who came over. That's always happened for a long time. Exactly. Exactly. But, well, you kind of knew what the intent of these people was. They they were coming over. They just wanted to work. Exactly. They found work and they went back home or whatever. There was never really, I mean, it was illegal, I agree. But at least you had an idea that it was work-related. And if if they could do this or that, they go home. But they were not never a threat to society, but now you have people from all over the world. I don't know that they're a threat to society, but unknown people from a lot of countries very far away, I think you got to worry about that, George. Exactly. That's the fact that these folks, uh, are, are not, along with these folks, is coming the drug traffic. Is coming the drug traffic. Because for every person, one of my, one of my buddies was saying that for every person that that is stopped and processed, you could say that half a pound of drugs just snuck in because you're so busy taking care of this individual. You don't, you don't know what's going on. So imagine how many drugs are getting in when you've got to process a thousand people in one day. Right. Imagine. No, it's unbelievable. It's just absolutely unbelievable uh, what's happening on the border. And that President Biden uh, continues to stay silent about this. That's, I think... Uh, Pretty incredible, too. Well, one last topic, George. We've got a couple of minutes, and I just wanted to maybe get some early reactions from you. <laughs> Primaries are coming up in March, and uh, there's two big things that that everybody's talking about. Uh, the primary, the challenges to some of these Republicans who didn't vote for the vouchers. Right. Now, what I'm hearing is most of these guys are going to be reelected. That's yeah. what I'm hearing, because they are pretty popular in their district. That's what I hear. Yeah. I could be wrong. But what I'm also hearing is that the governor is going to be spending a lot of time defeating them uh, with people who support vouchers. So I don't know what's going to happen. There's also a lot of talk about the Democrat Senate primary. That seems to be heating up a little bit, although at least I hear more about Aldred up here than I hear about Gutierrez. I, I don't hear much about Gutierrez up here. What, what do you hear? The, uh, the Texas state primary, both Republican and, and um uh, Democrat is going to be very, very interesting and in some cases bloody. Uh, the uh, uh, the governor is going to campaign uh, against those people that didn't support his um, uh, his agenda in various parts because it wasn't just that uh, many of them 
uh, that followed the uh, Speaker of the House uh, opposed the voters. Um, but I think it was also that they, were, they, they didn't do very much about the issue of uh, uh, immigration as well. Uh, so there were very, there's going to be there's going to be uh, I, I know right here in my own backyard where I sit in my own district uh, there is a uh, a very strong challenger against the incumbent who uh, bucked the governor and uh, the incumbent is uh, is I, I think he's got a very good chance of winning and um, there's also a very very big grassroots Republican. Uh, rebellion going on, and I'll use that term, rebellion against uh, the party leadership in Austin that uh, continues to stand by to a large degree, uh, the speaker. So it's going to be very, very bloody. Yeah, right? that's yeah. right. I, I think hope, so. I just hope that it, when it's all over, we are able as conservatives and Republicans to come together and defeat the Democrats. Now, the Democrats. Right. Now, if, if I may say something really quickly, I think that's the key. Who, if if you beat somebody in the primary, that you replace that person with someone who can win, because yeah. it doesn't make any sense to replace a, a Republican and lose to a Democrat. So, uh, I hope whoever, hopefully, these are safe districts where a Republican is going to win. Hopefully, exactly. That's, that's exactly right. But you mentioned Democrats, yeah. Good. Well, the Democrats. The battle for the Democrats is going to be uh, once again uh, here in San Antonio. Um, Joaquin Castro, the former, or, uh, Julian Castro, rather, the former mayor uh, who was supposedly teaching at Harvard, uh, uh, he has retired uh, and moved back to San Antonio, and he's going to be operating a powerful uh, pack for California <laughs> to reelect Californian uh, Democrats, or Hispanics, should I say, in California, but he's going to be operating out of San Antonio. Can you imagine? Um the, uh, the, however, he and his brother are, have become very, very involved with the squad and the very ultra uh, leftists uh, in the in the Democrat Party, and they are doing everything they can to help uh, ultra Democrats, ultra radical leftists like uh, Gutierrez, and they're running straight into the into uh, uh, the face of traditional Democrats who are radical enough in my book, in my book, but they are, they are the ones who are um, supporting Colin Allred, who want a black uh, senator from the state of Texas. Black Lives Matter has, has allied itself very, very strongly with uh, Allred, and uh, the squad, uh, the Hispanic part of the squad, has allied itself very, very strongly with um, uh uh, Gutierrez. So it's going to be very, very difficult. I mean, wow, difficult. that that sounds like it's going to be a pretty be nasty primary. That. Yeah, that's going to, and that seems to be happening uh, a lot cases. here, where you're seeing black and Latino exactly to be fighting each other. Exactly, it's happening uh, in Houston. Yes, Houston just had uh, uh, their election. There was a big push to elect uh, Sheila Jackson Lee, right, and uh, it was the Hispanic vote that um, that defeated her interesting in, in Harris County and in Houston and uh, it's uh, it's it's about to get very very interesting because again what many people have been telling the blacks is that all of these new coming new newcomer migrants that when and if and when they get the vote to the the right to vote they're not going to be voting for blacks 
Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, that's something to watch. And the primary is going to be a good test of that. I guess the only guy who's happy about the primary is Senator Cruz because he doesn't have an opponent. Maybe yeah. there'll be somebody running, but nothing serious. He'll probably get over 90% of the vote, even probably more than that. Uh, and then, of course, there's going to be a presidential primary. I assume well, that, uh, uh, that President Trump will win that. Exactly. And, and, and Silvio, again, what message are, are state Democrats going to push? What message? That, uh, you know, that uh, the oil is, uh, that the gasoline prices are dropping, right. that uh, we have lots, uh, you know, that uh, our, our, uh, our, our food, uh, uh, that uh, we're able to go to buy our groceries is a little bit easier now, uh, that uh, the border is closed. I mean, what are they, that uh, we support the police? What are they, what is their message? What is their message? Their message is, and I'm going to be cynical when I say this, their <laughs> message is, that the new border law, uh, the border law that the the governor has signed, is going to discriminate in the future. Yes, they don't have any evidence of it, but they think it will. Okay. Well, and, and uh, invest today, which means spend today, right, uh, will help you tomorrow. Quick question, and we don't have a lot of time, but I saw this story, and maybe you can give me a quick explanation. They're closing schools in San Antonio. Yes, uh, campuses. I guess that's the right word. And they're closing public schools. And the headline that I saw or the quote, somebody was quoted in the story saying it's because we don't have any money from the state, as <laughs> if somehow the state is responsible for the fact that these schools are closing. I think it's more, George, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's more because they don't have enough students. That's, That's exactly what I think right. the problem is. That is exactly right. Between abortion and moving, they don't have any more students. San Antonio School District is a dying school district because abortion is so popular and, and uh, mostly um, uh, unmarried people live there, as well as nobody wants to live in the core of San Antonio, in the city of San Antonio. High taxes. Uh, the school district has probably some of the highest taxes in the, in the, for a school district in the area. People don't want to live there in that district. Why? Mm -hmm. it, it, the schools are undisciplined. They're out of control. Why do they want it? That people well, look at Houston. Look at Houston. The Houston school district is a mess. Exactly. exactly. Uh, and the other I, hand, on yeah. the other hand, just north of me here, just north of me, between me, between my house and New Braunfels and the new and, and, and the city of New Braunfels, the place is exploding. Right. They have three new high schools, large high schools, class six A high schools. Wow. That have opened up this past year. You know, this is something we'll we can talk about in a future show, maybe because it'll have an impact in elections in the future. But they say that by uh, not that much in the future, maybe the next 10 years, that something like 80% of the population in Texas is going to be in this triangle, Dallas, San Antonio, Houston, this little triangle. And uh, the, so that's going to put a lot of... You know, what they don't talk about is that they make it sound like it's going to get filled in. What they're not talking about is that the core of uh, San Antonio, for example, is going to be uh, vacant. If, that, if it wasn't for the University of Texas in the core of, uh, of uh, the city of Austin, the city of Austin's core would be right. uh, would be empty. It's, uh, it's going to happen. And um, so, uh, you know, that it's going to explode and we need to do all these th sort of things. They right. need to address the problem of crime and high taxes 
uh, and abortion in these communities. As well. Right. Interesting. All right, George. Well, I hope you enjoy a lot of tamales uh, in a few days. Save me I'm, a few. Diet. I'm on a diet. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you and everybody else. Uh, but you can you can eat a couple of tamales. Yes. Enjoy a couple of them. Save me a couple, and don't eat them. Save them for me. And uh, when I see you, sometimes you can bring me some tamales from from San Antonio because they are very famous. <laughs> Everybody I talk to from San Antonio says that San Antonio tamales are the best in Texas, and I believe you. I believe you that they that they are. Have a great holiday, George. We'll probably chat after the first of the year. And uh, enjoy your day. And thank you so much for for being a part of it. You got it, buddy. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Our our good friend, uh, George Rodriguez, down in in South Texas, just talking a little bit about some issues. Uh, The the new law that the governor signed, you know, the border law, obviously that's creating a lot of controversy. But again, I hope it goes to the Supreme Court. I want to see the Supreme Court deal with this. Uh, And then, of course, primaries coming up. And the new Colorado states or the state Supreme Court opinion in Colorado that uh, I don't think was very good or very smart, but they did write it and it's going to be overturned, I'm sure, by the Supreme Court. Thank you for listening. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas. Merry Christmas. And if you're listening to me in the San Antonio area, hey, go out and get some tamales. They are really good. The ones, uh, the ones down there. Enjoy yourself and Happy Christmas if we don't chat again. Bye-bye, everybody.